Hi, I'm Gene Sapikoff, college sports editor of the Charleston Post and Courier, and welcome to Countdown to Kickoff. This is kind of part of John Blau's newsletter, The Tiger Take, which is a really cool thing you can subscribe to. And if you'd like to do that, it's at postandcourier.com slash the tiger take. John is just been with us for a little over a month and has been uh, covering the Clemson Tigers, of course, getting ready for their huge, mega, absolutely amazingly large season opener against Georgia and Charlotte on Saturday night. And a little bit of introduction of John. He has covered University of Indiana athletics for almost a decade and joins the Post and Courier and has just dived right into Clemson. And uh, John, what's it been like kind of adjusting to not just Clemson, but Dabo World and DJ Uyunglele and all things Tigers? It's been a whirlwind. Um, just to correct you, it's Indiana University, not the University of Indiana. People make uh, a mistake all the time. It's okay, though. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's been uh, interesting. Obviously, um, Indiana University was more of an underdog type of story. I mean, they had a couple of really great years. Um, the last two years made the Outback Bowl last year. Uh, but Clemson is Clemson. I mean, Clemson is uh, one of those top five programs with a ton of talent. They're out on the field of practice, and every receiver is six foot three, six foot four, and 220 pounds, and they all run four, four forties. I mean, uh, it's impressive the athletes they have, and obviously uh, huge expectations. And like you said, um, huge opener to start the year. Um, starting with a game like Georgia, uh, a lot is packed into that. I think I've called it a mega opener about three or four times. But I guess what's your favorite preferred word for what, what you would call this, I guess? Uh, I'll call it a blockbuster. I, I don't know. I think it's it's pretty amazing because while Dabo Sweeney during his era at Clemson and especially in the college football playoff era, I mean, they played a lot of really cool regular season games against, you know, Auburn, Texas A&M, home and home with both of those. Obviously, you know, some of the South Carolina games, Florida State games were really big earlier in his tenure, of course. But there's not been an opener like this. There's been a few similar, but I mean, a top five matchup at a neutral site with both teams, you know, really needing this. Uh, I think Clemson needs it a little more because of their schedule. And we can dive into that later. But um, yeah, this is something else. And uh, I, I know this is your first Clemson game and you're going to think, oh, all the openers are like this. All the games are like this. Not, not quite really. And um, these two fan bases go way, way back. Uh, I mean, to the John Heisman winning a game for Clemson against Georgia. So, um, yeah, th this is going to be exceptionally, exceptionally fun, John. Yeah, I mean, you said we could get to it later, but why don't we just get to it now? I mean, uh, if Clemson were to lose this game, I, I think this is a question a lot of fans have. If they were to lose this game, how, how catastrophic would that be? Or is it something that's recoverable? Uh, what, what are the stakes? Obviously, Clemson's going to say it's just, it's just the opener and, and whatever happens, happens. But what do you feel like the stakes are? 
Okay, John, I think there's two parts to that. And talking to both Dabo and Kirby Smart on Zoom this week, both are kind of downplaying the you know, drama of this saying it's just one game. It's just a game on the schedule. They're not awarding a national championship after this game. Both teams are going to get better after this game. And they're right about that. However, um, should Clemson lose, uh, they just don't have on paper right now, another game on the regular season schedule in which they can really make a case for themselves before the committee that they're truly a good team. I mean, they could beat up on everybody that's on that schedule. And unless someone like NC State or Boston College or Florida State really asserts themselves and jumps into like the top 10 or something, which I don't see happening, it's going to be hard until the ACC championship game, at least, for Clemson to prove itself. And even then, they better hope, if they lose to Georgia, that they get like an undefeated Miami or North Carolina or Virginia or something like that. Because it's going to be tough to make that case if the likes of Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Alabama get through undefeated or with Alabama's only loss being to Georgia – or if Georgia loses another game in the regular year, like let's say to Florida or Auburn, but beats Alabama, they're still going to have a trump card over Clemson. That's going to be hard. So there's that. That's a fact. But the more lingering thing, and let's face it, uh, usually we don't have a whole bunch of undefeated teams getting into the playoff. And Clemson very well might get into the playoff with, with a loss to Georgia and they run the table and they're fine. Okay. But still, John, they're going to have to deal with all kinds of flack for losing this game and for having to prove themselves. And somebody, including Dabo Sweeney, most likely, is going to get really tired of that. Uh, and there's going to be some snapping and some blowing up and stuff as Clemson rolls through this schedule. Because here is the deal. It's just such a fine line between being great and being really, really, really good. Clemson, even if they lose to Georgia, is really, really, really good with a great future and two national championships in the last several years and six straight playoff appearances. But what will be pointed out is that there is slippage in that in the last four games against good teams. Clemson has lost to LSU by double digits, lost at Notre Dame, beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, lost to Ohio State by double digits. So if they lose to Georgia, that's four losses in their last five big games. That qualifies, relatively speaking, at this elite high level as a slump. Right. And like, like they do say, though, to give the coaches a little bit of credit, if the season isn't over, so if you do run the table, you do make the playoff, you have a chance to reassert yourself at the end of the year um, and hopefully grow from the Georgia game, as they said. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if we're going to talk about the matchup itself, what are the keys? What are the most important things that Clemson has to do well or the places where we think there are question marks? I mean, what would you point to first and say Clemson has to do X to be able to beat a team like Georgia? Okay, first of all, before I get to the keys there. I just outlined all the pressure on Clemson, how they've struggled in three of the last four big games, they've, big games they've played, how their schedule is soft. I think Clemson will win by more than the point spread, probably seven. But anyway, the keys, the key matchups. Um, I am fascinated, John, um, by this matchup of the, the two respective 
you know, defensive lines against the offensive lines. And I just can't get over in my head what Kirby Smart said earlier this week in a Zoom call that I was on with him. Um, and a lot, a lot of coaches aren't quite as frank or, you know, insightful as he was. He said, you know, look at our defensive line and, and you look at a guy like their nose tackle, Jordan Davis, who some of the Clemson offensive linemen have been talking about, you know, the guy's 6'6", 340. Um, now, most of the Georgia defensive linemen are not as good, big as him, not as big as him, but they all are mostly over 300 and by a good bit over 300. And Kirby Smart said, our defensive line is built to stop the run. Clemson's defensive line is lighter, faster, more athletic guys built to stop the pass. And he is right. I mean, you, you look down the list of those guys and, you know, Miles Murphy, Xavier Thomas, KJ Henry, Justin Foster, Justin Maskell, they're all under 300 pounds by a good bit. I mean, you know, KJ Henry 260, for instance, and Xavier 265. And um, that's, that is really fascinating to me. Um, these are the two best defensive lines in the country, I think. That's how Phil Steele and just about everybody else has them rated. And to see how they both do against good offensive lines and smart quarterbacks and really good offensive coordinators I think that's it comparing the defensive lines to me I, I really feel like whichever one sort of asserts itself within like a two or three deep talent group is, is that team's probably going to be the one that wins yeah it's, it's equally fascinating because Clemson comes into this game with a center situation where we don't know who's going to be blocking that big uh, Jordan Davis, that, that nose tackle, that 6'6", 340-pound guy. Um, we've heard that Matt Bockhorst maybe could be the guy moving over from left guard. Um, maybe a guy like Marcus Tate's playing at left guard. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch of different possibilities. And we could talk about the depth chart that uh, had or, 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 or everywhere uh, in terms of who's actually going to play. But uh, we will get answers about Clemson's offensive line, how good they actually are. Um, I mean, is that one of the, the question marks that you come into the season wondering about the offensive line? Is it the secondary? I mean, what, what are the things that seem to maybe be weaknesses that are going to get kind of exposed or, or proved to not be a weakness, uh, do we think? I think you have to look at the offensive line as the biggest question mark on offense. Um, I think that last year, yards per carry, all that kind of stuff, those stats were so far down. Now, Dabo, just as recently as Tuesday, has, you know, in his in his weekly presser, has has pointed out that there's good reasons for that, that Justin Ross and Frank Ladson and Joseph Nagata were were out and other teams knew that we're not letting Travis Etienne, you know, a first round draft pick talent who, in fact, you know, went to the Jaguars along with Trevor Lawrence in the first round. You know, at, we're just not going to let him beat us. So they keyed on him all the time from the opener until the Ohio State game in the Sugar Bowl. And hence, Clemson's run production was down still against Ohio State. I mean, that was a good team, a very good team. The Buckeyes, obviously. But I had not seen, again, in the playoff era, a Clemson team quite manhandled like that. 
And, you know, not only was ETN and the running game not too effective and especially not until late or whatever, but, you know, Trevor Lawrence was just under tremendous duress in that game. So that's the last time we saw this talented, deep offensive line or, or remnants of it for sure. I mean, I know some guys are gone, but so they've got something to prove and they have to do it against. This is the best defensive line they'll play not even close in the, in the regular season and, and maybe not all year. Yeah. And I think Matt Bockhorst himself said it, that, you know, he doesn't like a false sense of security. Like he likes the idea of uh, playing, you know, really good team off the bat. We're going to find out how good we are. I think you tweeted it, Gene. What was it that it's uh we're either going to be about it or we can talk about it or we'll be about it. Or I forget what yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he said. I like his attitude. Um, he's always been kind of a, a feisty and very honest guy. And it's going to be interesting. You know, Dabba Sweeney, uh, John, and I know you've heard him say that, but he says there's no better left tackle in the game right now than Jordan McFadden. And when he said that for the first time a couple of weeks ago, I think there were a lot of raised eyebrows, you know, in the media, like, wow, that's, that's high praise for, for a guy that's just kind of, you know, getting in there and, and going to be given his first chance to be a star. And then he said pretty much the same thing about Walker Parks on the other side. And I do think Clemson set in their first team tackles there with McFadden and Parks. The question is more in the middle. Uh, I like Bockhorst's Bach, versatility. His roommate and buddy, Will Putnam, has been productive at right guard and evidently has had a tremendous camp there is good depth there but they actually are gonna not just have to do it but as Bachor said you know they're gonna have to be about it against a really really good team that come come at you in ways having said all that John they don't have to win every battle there they don't they just have to win you know, one more than Georgia does. And uh, it's going to just be interesting to see how that shakes out on so many levels. As far as question marks on defense, yeah, the secondary, I, I think, you know, losing Darian Kendrick and him going over to Georgia, a little bit of question mark at corner, except for Andrew Booth. I mean, you know, maybe Fred Davis, Mario, you know, Goodrich and um, Malcolm Green, they're all talented, but can they really be in there under pressure against a good quarterback? And then I'm just going to say, John, that the thing that people are not talking about, and I'm writing about this at postandcurrier.com, you know, later this week, but boy, special teams, that that is a glaring kind of weakness for Clemson. Uh, Phil Steele does not have Clemson in the top 50 special teams in the country they have to get better there. They just really did. Yeah. And there was an interesting moment at fall camp where uh, BT Potter was put on the spot um, when we were actually there and able to watch. Um, and, and Dabo said, if, if you make this, you get to go to the, the sorority party tonight. You're the, you're the king of campus. Everybody loves you. If you miss <laughs> this, uh, you know, you have to go into witness protection and your teammates are going to have to run. And he gets up there and he missed a 42 yarder. Uh, it was really sad because uh, then everybody had to, everybody had to run and BT had to stand there and watch. And they had to kick again, make it. And then he got to run. Uh, but yeah, no, they need BT Potter to come up and hit some um, big kicks and they need, um, they need their punter to be able to, you know, pin Georgia back because JT Daniels, we haven't talked about him yet. Um, he's a great quarterback and uh, DJ Uyunglele obviously played him in high school, um, St. John's uh, Bosco, um, where DJ played and uh, modern day was where JT Daniels played. It was, it was actually DJ's very first start uh, was against JT Daniels in, in high school. Um, 
how much are you worried or concerned about how much Georgia can get it over the top um, with a guy like JT Daniels? Or, or do you think that the pressure will be good enough to be able to kind of get him off his spot? I think JT Daniels is a really good player, and I think he's going to be better this year than last year when he played well, but really didn't have that big signature win. The thing is, they've had a lot of injuries at receiver in camp, and I just really think that the pressure is going to be tremendous on him. And not just that, um, we, we can't say it enough. I mean, he's got to go against not just Clemson players, but Brent Venables, who's had all summer to study things. And I just think JT Daniels is in for a relatively tough night. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that it couldn't be. 35 to 31 Clemson or something that JT Daniels gets his licks in, but I, I kind of like the Clemson defense in this particular matchup, but I, JT Daniels will make some plays and um, certainly has the cast around him to do it. But with the injuries that they have at receiver tight end, um, I think it's going to be tough for him to be at his best. And it's dangerous to read between the lines of what these coaches are saying. But when Kirby talks about, as he did this week about, yeah, we're going to get better and better. Hey, all teams should get better and better. I think that's part of what he's thinking or, or subconsciously saying that they have a lot of injuries. They're banged up and that, um, that Georgia banged up things become a cliche this week, but they, they will be, significantly better in just a couple of weeks when the South Carolina Gamecocks go to Athens on September 18th, for instance. Yeah. They, again, I don't know if people who are watching have followed the injuries, but Darnell Washington at tight end, um, Fitzpatrick at tight end, but he's back. Uh, the latter is back. Fitzpatrick. Um, uh, you've had Karis Jackson. You've had Jermaine Burton at receiver. They've been in and out of camp. Like what, what condition are they going to be in once they get, the game day, I know Kirby Smart has said, you know, that JT's a gamer. You know, he's had reps with him in the offseason. They'll be fine. But you have to wonder if the continuity in the passing game will be quite there. If guys have been in and out during camp and, you know, if they're all going to be on the same page, you have to wonder. Um, but at the same time, DJ Uyunglele, uh, to talk about him, you know, uh, this has obviously been, been a narrative going into the season that, you know, Trevor Lawrence was the man, you know, maybe one of the best quarterbacks in the history of college football, how do you follow that guy? Um, but at the same time, I would counter with maybe, is there a better guy than DJ Uyunglele, uh, who's been playing big time games since he was in like, fit, what, fifth grade? He's been, he's been kind of a, a kid celebrity athlete. Um, his dad was putting him out there. Um, got a huge arm and just cool under pressure from what everybody says. So, I mean, is there a better guy to replace Trevor Lawrence uh, than DJ Uyunglele, would you say? Uh, the short answer is no. First, let me say that this just if you're if you're tuning in, this is countdown to kickoff. And uh, it's kind of a lead into John Blau's the Tiger take. John Blau is the Post and Courier's new Clemson beat reporter. And uh, if you want to subscribe to his incredibly insightful, fun and interesting newsletter, that is at postandcourier.com slash the Tiger take. John, to answer your question about DJ, um, you know, Uyunglele, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, they're all really different the way they play on the field. But I'll tell you what the common denominator is, and that is poise. That It is ridiculous to me. I was so impressed with Deshaun Watson the first time like he walked out of a press conference post-game against Georgia, post-game against Florida State. Those were 
two of his first three games at Clemson, and he he was as cool as an NFL veteran then. Same with Trevor Lawrence. And DJ Uyengale cannot get out of my head what I saw in person last year in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, Clemson lost in double overtime to Notre Dame. But he threw for more yards than anybody has ever thrown for against Notre Dame. It was just doing left and right, you know, making the right decisions almost every time. And when he didn't make the right decision, the coaching staff was almost surprised. So I think he's going to be ready for this big spot. I think he's going to be just a stat packing machine who very well, I'm not saying he's a better college player or pro prospect than Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence. He might be. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I think he will have better single season statistics either this year or next year or both than either Watson or Lawrence ever had. And uh, Clemson's just in great shape with this guy. Yeah. I mean, just, um, again, to speak to his poise, I mean, one of the great stories I heard from Brian Brzee in the, in the preseason was that they were roommates uh, the night before the Boston College game. And uh, Brian asked him, like, are you nervous, man? Are you nervous? Because he's just really, really, like, jacked up. And he asked uh, DJ, are you nervous? And DJ's like, I don't get nervous. And just, like, said it just kind of deadpan, like, what are you talking about? Like, this just, like, it's not part of his DNA uh, for him to get nervous. And so it's really, really interesting to see the way he played those two games. And now he's going to deal with kind of the ups and downs of the season. And one of the things that uh, is really good for him is probably the receiving core. I mean, we talked a lot about the defensive line, how strong that is. I know Dabo Sweeney, I think, uh, mentioned it. I think you tweeted it out, Gene, that he said, take a picture of this group. I think he told Tyler Grisham, the receivers coach, take a picture of this group because this may be a really, really good group or maybe the best one that we've had in a really long time in five or six years when you look back on it. I mean, it, is that one of the more intriguing groups? I mean, we all know Justin Ross is a stud, uh, but guys like a Joe, a Joe, EJ Williams, all of those guys, another year more mature. Um, having those guys, I mean, how much – are you looking forward to seeing which one of those guys shines at the end of the day? Uh, I'm really excited about all of them. I think that the Joe, a Joe story coming from, you know, Alberta in Canada, uh, you know, I just think that he, he, he's evidently also one of the best track athletes in the history of the province of Alberta, which doesn't surprise me a bit. Um, and that is more of a tip of the cap to him and not to whatever talent athletically they had off the hockey rink in Alberta. But I, I think a Joe, a Joe is going to be so much fun to watch. But E.J. Williams, I mean, coming from the same high school as Justin Ross in, of all places, Alabama. I mean, I think that is going to be a blast to see how he evolves. And then as Dabo points out, Frank Ladson Jr. and Joseph Nagata are elite guys. They just haven't had the chance to really show that because they've been hurt. And then, you know, there, there's young guys like Bo Collins and a guy like Will Sweeney, Bale Inspector, that can you know, make good catches in the clutch maybe when you need them down the line. For Dabo to say that about this receiver group, and well, head coaches exaggerate sometimes and get a little excited, but you got to put in perspective that, you know, Clemson once had a receiver group that had Sammy Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins in it, and uh, plus a couple other guys that were, were on that same team. They've had Mike Williams and T Higgins and just so many great WRU 
graduates that have gone on to the NFL and, and done well, that for him to say that is, is kind of a mouthful. And I, I think also, John, part of it is that he's really excited to let this receiver room, you know, do its thing after absolutely being hampered last year when Justin Ross was out. And so was, you know, Ladson and Nagata. Yeah. And God has been dealing with a hammy, hammy, uh, during camp hamstring. And, uh, but supposedly the last week or so or, or more, he's been okay. And so Dabo Sweeney's encouraged that he should be available. Uh, Brandon Spector is probably the only other injury issue, uh, that's really worth mentioning. I mean, he's been out uh, all camp uh, with a shoulder issue and, and then COVID and all of that. Um, otherwise pretty much a uh, pretty clean bill of health for Clemson uh, coming into this game, which is a little bit opposite than Georgia. I mean, I don't know if we want to do – you already did kind of do your prediction, didn't you, Gene, in terms of what you think will happen. I mean, do you think that, you know, Clemson's able to get out of the gate fast, you know, get ahead, be able to maintain a lead, or is this one of those games where, you know, they're going to get punched in the mouth a little bit by JT Daniels and maybe it has to go the other way where Clemson's chasing a little bit. I mean, can you see it going either way? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia won. And I mean, you can have a weird play happen at the end and it could be a double digit game. I mean, either way. But I, I just kind of like Clemson. Like if you ask me who to pick in, in March, I, I might I might have leaned Georgia or said toss up. But because of the injuries um, and just because of kind of a lot of new pieces for Georgia, even even. Darian Kendrick getting used to a new coordinator and, you know, different things and the, the looks he's had to deal with. I think Georgia's receivers and secondary are just a little bit suspect right now. You know, Clemson certainly has to have some new guys come through um, in, in key spots. I mean, one of them's probably going to have to be Will Shipley, the very exciting freshman running back from right there in the Charlotte area who, you know, Dabo Sweeney, Tony Elliott, C.J. Spiller, unabashed in their, you know, regard for him. He's not the complete back yet. And by that, I mean, I'm not, you know, he's got to show his skills, not just running the ball, but as a receiver and a pass protector, which is a huge thing in the Clemson offense. But if he can get off to a good start and do some, some things in Charlotte, because I think he's the most talented back on that roster, then I think they're in good shape. And another area that, you know, we're, we haven't touched on yet, but that's been a big topic of the offseason. I know you've written about, but wow, that tight end room, that's as deep and talented of a tight end room as Clemson's had with, um, you know, Braden Galloway, who, you know, who, whose brother Brevin played, college basketball at College of Charleston and now went to Boston College with head coach Earl Grant. He, he's really good, but Davis Allen and Jalen Lay, wow. I mean, that's that's a lot of nice, large targets who can also block that should really help DJ Uyunglele. Yeah, and Jalen Lay was one of the surprise names of the preseason. Um, we weren't expecting to hear, I mean, you hear every, everything's about Braden Galloway and, and Davis Allen for the most part. Uh, but Dabo Sweeney came into the year, uh, came into fall camp saying there is no one on this team in better shape uh, than Jalen Lay, which he was a guy who was, what, 6'6", six, six, and he was trending towards being almost 300 pounds. I mean, he could have been a tackle. I mean, he's down to about, I think, 270 now or 260. I forget what range he's at. I, I, don't, think, I don't think he actually ever got to that much. But he was saying he was trending towards being a tackle. Um, but the, the one interesting thing about him, though, is about whether he wanted to put a hat on somebody. You know, he's a, he's a guy who loves running routes and catching the ball. Um, but even at that size, whether he's willing to block um, – 
And they've liked what they've seen, though. Uh, they've said that they, you know, they think Jalen's in great shape. He's been he's been a better blocker, more willing. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, kind of do the, those three guys make life you know that much more difficult for defenses. We talked about the receivers. We talked about the running backs. Talked about DJ just his ability to get people the ball. Um, it really seems like a, a no-win situation for defensive coordinators. As long as the offensive line, uh, you know, kind of holds up. If the offensive line holds up, you, you got to think somebody's going to get open. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's going to be just a fascinating chess match. Some really good coordinators on both sides. Obviously, it's going to be good to have Tony Elliott back calling the plays for Clemson. He missed, you know, the Sugar Bowl with, with, with COVID. And I know he's excited to get back in there, but. Yeah, I think, again, the, the, the matchup coordinator-wise that Clemson has most going for it is Brent Venables against anybody you put out there. I think that's probably what gives Clemson the edge here. I'm picking Clemson by seven. John, I can't wait to see in at postandcareer.com what your prediction is. And uh, I think it's probably best that we wrap this up now. This has been countdown to kickoff a great glimpse into the Tiger Tank, the incredibly insightful newsletter. And John talks about on and off the field things. You can learn a lot about John and you know what he likes to eat, what he likes to do, plus a lot about Clemson football with the Tiger Tank, a really cool newsletter the Post and Courier has. And if you'd like to subscribe to that, go to postandcourier.com slash the Tiger Tank. We've got a really good deal for you. Well, for John Blau, Post and Courier Clemson Beat reporter, I'm Gene Sapikoff, college football editor and columnist. And join John next week for Countdown to Kickoff, the Tiger Take.